All right, fellas, Motown rundown, and I guess lady fellas too. So I don't mean to discriminate here right off the bat on the podcast. It's March 3rd. I don't know how we got to March, but March is madness. Can I say this kind of this kind of stinks going back to the Zoom platform because last week it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. And it feels like it's been like uh, forever since we've I think it has been three weeks because we took like a week off basically for last episode. Right. Sunday to Sunday plus, yeah, what, three days? I, what, what's it called? I think we're going to start recording on Wednesdays. Is that what we said? Fine with me. Yeah. I guess we I, well we we always talk about it. And yeah, but we should let the listeners know. I think we're a little inconsistency with our drops. Oh, well, extremely inconsistent. It just comes out when it comes out. But no, we can do Wednesday. I know you always. I feel like every week you're like, hey, let's start recording on Wednesday, and you have some rationale behind it that makes sense. But I just always forget what it is. I just say because since the Lions are playing, you usually if you record on Monday. You miss a big chunk of the Red Wings, Pistons, and all that stuff. That's fair. I'll allow it. So, okay. uh, Wednesday oh, recording, Thursday posting. New episodes every Thursday. Book it. Yeah, good. All right. Well, cool. Um, Collins, how are we looking as far as Michigan State basketball? Talk to me. I don't know. I think they got to win one out of their really? next three. Really? And they'll probably be win, in the tournament. Huh? They don't have to beat Michigan. I would thoroughly enjoy it. But if anyone listened to Tom Izzo's posting presser yesterday, I don't think he has very much confidence that that's going to happen. <laughs> Did you listen to that, TB? Yeah. I would say, like, oh, like, boo freaking who. These guys have played seven basketball games in, like, 15 days. Like, cool, dude. I don't – no one cares. He, he had a great quote. He was like, yeah, I think I'm going to call Magic Johnson and ask him how he used to get up to play the Celtics and fly across the country after one day of rest because we got to go play Michigan – twice in three days or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. Man. Look, Michigan's great. They're number two in the country now, obviously, but they lost to Illinois. So what's a, a win versus Michigan puts you into the tournament, bar none. I don't care if you yeah. lose 30 the next one. And then a, a be loss, Michigan. two losses to Michigan doesn't really mean anything either because yeah. they're not going to hold it against the Spartans. So I mean, what's it called? Piss it? I mean, I'm sorry, I had pissings on my eyes. I was just watching the game. But Michigan State like, wins – one of two, like they're a nine seed almost. I like you almost jump like a seed or two line because Michigan is such a superior win this year. It sucks how good Michigan is at basketball this year. It like it, it really does because yeah. if you watch them, like they're you can be like you, you try and poke holes, not a lot of holes to poke there because they're really good defensively and really good offensively. But maybe Illinois found the formula, but I don't know. I Michigan say it's all Aaron Henry though. Literally all Aaron Henry. It's incredible. Hey, you know what? You know what? Shout out Luke Sloan, friend of the pod. Luke Sloan always says that the Spartans go as Gabe Brown goes. And I think he's I think he's right. Yeah. Gabe Brown's been really good. Like he's helped them out and had a couple really big shots. But like if you watch like Aaron Henry did not play good against Maryland. They lost. Like Aaron Henry has to have like he scored what the last 12 points of the yeah. game yesterday. So I, I mean, I don't know. The point guard place sucks right now. It's so inconsistent. I just I'm I not a get... whole guard guy. I'm gonna I'm I'll tell you right now, I'm not a whole guard guy. He's gonna Would you rather have Rocket out there? Yes, because he's just better at basketball than AJ Hogard is. I don't know. They I they're both pretty solid defensively. And like Izzo's like complaining, he's like Lane for playing all these minutes. I'm like, you could play Rocket. Like you you know <laughs> you don't have to like sit him every two seconds he makes a mistake. Like you could right. let him play through it a little bit, but I don't know. We'll see you tomorrow. I think 
the line's a 13. I think it would be closer than that. But, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got one. Uh, and that's two. It's hard to beat a team twice in, like, four days. Yeah. It is. Collins, Collins were you allowed uh, back inside since State lost to Mar- – I shouldn't say lost. They got throttled by Maryland. Were you allowed to sit back inside now? No, I did not. I What's it called? So, on Sunday, I wasn't feeling too hot. So oh. – What's it called? And it was kind of nice here on Sunday, so we all decided to watch it on our like porch. So we watched it on my porch, and they lost. So I obviously, and when they played yesterday against Indiana, I I moved back to my spot on the windowsill. Mm -hmm. So from that same spot, I'm four and zero. But outside, Ryan Collins is four and one right now, which is better than what it was before. So I'll continue to be watching the games outside. That's good. Well, Let's thank go. you for your service. A thank you for fan, your service. Our hero. Um, all right. Let's break into the sports news today from the city. You're right, Rabs. I, what's it? You sounds like you had a long day. You know, I, I, did, I, I did have a long day. Like, will you, will you first tell us why today is special? So, so, so our listeners can maybe get a little smile out of it or something. Well, every, first of all, every day is a gift. Every day is special. Second of all, it's it's lovely. It, it is my it is my mom's birthday today. Happy birthday! Happy to my birthday, mom. Mrs. Rabinowitz. She is she is turning forty today for the tenth plus consecutive year in a row. Um, <laughs> good meal, good meal tonight. Diamond Jim Brady's. I'll tell you what, we had a cake from uh, we had a cake from Cantoros. Not sure if you guys are familiar with it, and I know we don't give out free ads on this podcast, but if there's one place that deserves free ads. Other than Crunchies, it would be Cantoros in my book. I Raps, think I, 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 I say no free ads like 10 times an episode, but it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. But what's the draw? I have a question for both of you. Yes. On, on the topic of birthdays, my birthday, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this in the pod so like everyone who listens to it like sends me a birthday shout out, you know. Yeah. But what's the draw? My birthday's on March 16th. I personally think that is the best time to have your birthday. Because you get Mar- you get selection Sunday and then you get March Madness and then you got your birthday kind of sandwich in between. What what month and time do you think is the best to have your birthday? Because I, I when when people are like, when's the worst birthday? I think it's like arguably if your birthday's right next to Christmas, like that stinks because you're doing one and two every year and like yeah, it's like you can't go off for you know what I mean. Yes. So what do you think is like the best time to have your birthday? I think I might have the best time to have your birthday. Collins, as a sports fan, I think you do 1000% because it's also, it's just the best. Like I, th- I think selfishly about what I love and stuff and like the NBA playoffs and everything like that all is just starting as your birthday comes up, which is awesome. So I would say that I would agree with you. I, I would say other than that though, I love like late April, early May. That's just a great time of the year for me. Yeah, but I will say this. I will say this. Also, just having a summer birthday—that's awesome too. People, I was just say Fourth of July is a heavy second favorite in my book. Yeah, that, that's having a fourth. That's a that good was day. mine. Damn, dude, come on! I didn't get a that's chance. Awesome. If if your birthday's in the summer, you can do so much for your birthday. All the people that are like, yeah, but you know, growing up, you didn't get to see your friends in school anymore. I'm like, crime. That's right. a good point, though. Oh, but, it's like you're not going. Yeah, I don't know though. That's no, no. You would never say that about work. You'd never be like, "Oh, I, I don't get to see my coworkers at work on my yeah, birthday." But, no, but what's it called? That's like a good big point when you're like little and you have those old birthday parties. That's true. It is. I think the summer aspect of it's even better because you don't see your little buddies 
And then you, you're all getting back together at the bowling alley for yes. like a bowling party, and you're someone's chucking like the eight ball in the other lane. The guys <laughs> coming out like to like yell at the mom in charge, and then the mom's like scolding that guy. But like, yeah, I don't know, summer birthday or like spring birthday. I like I don't even know if I like fall as a birthday. There's I have too much a, going on. What I, I have a fall birthday. I enjoy it because it goes. In one swift stroke, it goes Halloween, my birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, which is good. But I think I'd rather have yours, Collins. I like. I think winter. I think fall, summer, and spring are all fine. Winter is just you can't have. Winter birthdays are just not good. (laughs) You have a take. Oh my take is January birthday. uh, Well, I mean, I, I I at least have a little bit of a buffer zone coming out from Christmas on the twenty fifth of December, and then my birthday's on January 9th. I will say for me. Back to kind of your point, Trent, I think you go like Thanksgiving on the 25th, a month later you have Christmas, then you go New Year's Eve, then my birthday. That's a hell of a sweep too. No, that's a that's a murderer's row. That's a, that- <laughs> murderer's row. July 4th, dude. July 4th weekend, no one's working. Everyone's like, like you probably, I don't know, kids aren't in school. You can go up to the lake if you live here in Michigan. There's a, you got a million families up there that like you haven't seen in a while. Everyone's asking you questions about like who you're dating and whatnot. What are you doing for work? And everyone's just pickled the entire time. Absolutely waffled. Yeah, that'd be yeah. A good what's time. it called? Revs, you're kind of right though. You got that murder's row, but then you got like nine months to look forward to nothing. Oh, trust me, dude. I know. I live it every day. Jan- okay. January. Okay, you got stuff to look for. Other than sports, you have nothing like on a personal level. <laughs> Other than sports, I have nothing to look forward to in my life on a personal. I mean, I don't. Do you? It's a. I don't know. It's a. I guess it's a pretty good way to put it. Do you wake up and you're like, you know what? I can't. Other than food and sports, I don't think I wake up and look forward to things. Other than those two things. I don't know. Just, just I just have this innate zest for life. I'm just extremely happy to be here. As you say that in your most monotonal version in like two years. Yeah, zest for life. Raps, I got to tell you this real quick because Collins mentioned that food gets him excited. Uh, Collins has been eating kettle corn for like weeks and he didn't know it was kettle corn. What did you think it was? I thought it was, I thought it was popcorn. I and mean, I his... guess it's a form of popcorn. Yes, but, no, but what's it called? Completely different. This is Orville Redenbacher, like kettle corn, whatever. I got like the smart pop. Is it those little bags are like 100 calories? Yeah. Good, good little snack when I'm but trying you, not to. But you crush six of them, so it doesn't yeah, even matter. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. I have them like every night, so it doesn't even matter. It offsets. But um, I'm like, I, me and my buddies are having this conversation. We're like, you know what? I think I like regular popcorn better. And they're like, no, I like kettle corn better. And I'm like, nah, dude, I've been crushing these like regular popcorn ones, and they're, they're way better than kettle corn. And I open up the cabinet. My buddy's like, dude, you realize you're eating kettle corn? And I'm like, oh, dang. It just I, I just like argue for an hour to look like a complete idiot. Dude, kettle corn, <laughs> kettle corn, like at a farmer's market. When kettle oh. corn's done right, it's yeah. fantastic. Holy shit. Yeah. Out of control. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways. the food hour is over. So we can actually well, talk good. about yeah. um, yeah, we can talk about sports, I guess. Here's the first the first piece of news that I I, I mean, I guess a little quick hit here. Um, Lions, one year, what was the pay? Like four and a half million or something? Something like oh, that. Six million. Six million? Six? Oh. It was. All right. Well, Lions signed Ty- Tyrell, right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Tyrell, Tyrell, six, whatever. Six point two. Six point two million million. Tyrell Williams, wide receiver. Um, 
played most recently for the Raiders. Am I correct on that? You yeah. Are correct on that. Um, so, and, and Trent, you were kind of saying, or I, I don't, one of you guys was saying before the show that that might be an indication that that signing might uh, get Kenny Galladay out of town just for the sake of the fact that I think Tyrell Williams is a pretty significant deep threat. Um, I think when you signed Geronimo Allison last year before he opted out of the entire season because of COVID, no judgment here, but whatever. Um, that's kind of the role that you wanted him to play a bit, I guess, alongside Kenny Galladay. Tyrell Williams, I think, has a bit more to his game um, versatility-wise. I feel like he missed a lot of games last year because of injury. Is that, am I correct on that? I'm pretty sure he missed, like, the whole season. I'm being serious. Like, I think he might have tore his ACL or something. Yeah, so that I mean, he was awesome the year before, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think he's got a lot of versatility to his game. He's definitely an an offensive threat, and we talk all the time about you need playmakers. You need guys that have some speed that can go out and get separation and go get the ball. He's one of those guys. So one year, six million dollars. You take a flyer on a guy, and I'm sure he'll give you some some awesome production. Um, but, but I guess the bigger question here now is back to that point about Kenny Galladay. Do you think that this now means that Kenny Galladay's time in Detroit is done? I don't, I, I, I think Collins, you say it all the time and I agree. You have to franchise tag the guy. I don't care. I, I don't really care as much if you don't sign the guy long-term, I get it. Um, but with that being said, I mean, he had an injury shortened season last year. I'd at least like to see a give the guy the money that he's due for one more year and give it a go and see if you can, you can monitor his play this year. And if Brad Holmes feels like he's a part of the future, then give him a deal. If you feel like he's worth all that money. I personally think the more I, the more I think about it to pay a wide receiver, the kind of money that Kenny Galladay wants, he ain't Deandre Hopkins. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. He doesn't deserve that kind of money, but if he thinks he does, I mean, there's a team out there that's going to pay him. I just don't want it to be the lions, but Bring him back. I'm glad. I mean, Tyrell Williams is a pretty, pretty solid start um, as far as trying to get some playmakers on offense that I would call a pretty significant weapon in my eyes. Well, look, well, I, the, the counts go for it. No, you know, you know, I, I, my point's not my, my, I'm just to say this. You said E what Rav said, like, you have that opinion. I personally think that he should be signed long-term because I think he's really good, but um, you just can't lose an asset for nothing. And that's what you're doing if you just let him walk. So you got to tag him, and then maybe you figure out a way where you can sign him. And then there's not really signing trades, I guess, in the NFL like there is in the NBA. But you just have to figure a way out to make the most out of your asset, especially I don't know what the Lions roster and what their intentions are this year. It seems like they're going to go through a kind of a big rebuilding process, and that's two years. So I I'm just don't lose the asset. Like, make sure you're able to – like get a second or a third or something out of it. Don't let him walk for nothing. I know – I'm pretty sure if he walked, they would get a com- compensatory pick. I could be wrong, but, like, still. So, I – Collins, that's a fantastic point because that's very important to keep in mind. Kenny Galladay was, you know, for the last two, three years, a top three player on your team, talent-wise, and just production-wise, really, too. Uh, you know, I always argued over the season that Marvin Jones was better. A lot of that just had to do with that Kenny wasn't available and he wasn't, you know – trustworthy in, in, in big moments and stuff like that. Stafford through to Marvin Jones. Now, obviously, you know, Dan Campbell getting a six year deal pretty much tells you all you need to know. Collins, you nailed it. It's going to be a long rebuild process. And Kenny Galladay is 27 years old. I'm not saying that's like, you know, cause I made the same argument with Marvin Jones that age is a number as he's 31. Uh, I wanted to bring him back. So I'm kind of against the idea of bringing him back long-term. I definitely think you got to tag him. 
Because I just think the, the franchise tag is literally made for situations like this when you got a guy who missed 10 games in the, in the season prior, but you know he's good, but he's in a contract year and he might be a little old. But ultimately, when you look at the Lions roster right now, it's like the, the, the receivers are Quintez Cephas, and, like, that's it. That's the list. It's weird. You know, they cut Marvin Hall towards the end of last season. Marvin Jones is not coming back. There's no way he wants to get paid and he wants to go play for a contender. So that's not happening. I don't see the Lions bringing back Danny Amendola unless it's for Thank dirt God. Cheap. Unless it's for dirt cheap, they're not going to bring him back. What are they going to sign him for? So we can take more shirtless pictures? No, dude, there's no – I don't care how much it costs you. There's no There's no reason well, to bring him especially, back. Especially since the only thing that kept him here was really his Patriot ties. Let's be honest. He wasn't extremely productive in the slot, so it was just the fact that we had Quinn and Patricia running the show. I hate mentioning those guys' names, by the way, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. Tyrell Williams <laughs> – He's he's a pretty solid he's a pretty pretty solid deep guy like you guys said. I'm fine with the signing. I, it's a it's a prove it deal. There's no hiding that. It's only one year. Six million seems a little much, but Collins, you mentioned he was really good the last time he was on the field. So you just gotta go with you gotta go with your gut. And I, the last thing I'll say with this here is Kenny Galladay. Well, I would like to bring him back. I don't want to bring him back extremely long term. I'm thinking like a three year deal or something like that. But I don't think he's gonna take that. And I do think he could get better deals elsewhere the lions should tag him but i can tell you right now i i, I what i see happening is they're going to tag romeo okwara and let galladay walk and collins you're right it makes me sick because you could get something for galladay if you tag and trade him which i've heard is a possibility but the other thing is just with with galladay i'm not quite sure if i'm and, and this is just me being a stafford apologist stroker even though he's gone I don't know how effective Kenny Galladay would be with a guy like Jared Goff. I just don't – a game manager who – I just – I don't really trust that. Plus, that doesn't seem like part of the winning formula right now anyways. Bottom line is I, I would rather tag Kenny than sign him long-term. And, and if neither of those are on the table, then I'd rather just sign him like a two- or three-year deal. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Brad Holmes mentioned like in a presser this week that we're going to know pretty soon what the uh, idea is on Kenny. The, the deadline to tag him is on uh, Tuesday. So we're going to find out within the next week what they're doing with Kenny Galladay. If they don't tag him, I don't think he's coming back. Well, I Fair. think the other thing too is like uh, Tyrell Williams to me, like that's a, that's a pretty decent name. I mean, aside from like, forget the Kenny Galladay stuff. Like that's a, that's a pretty solid signing. If I, if I do say so myself, but I think a lot of it too, I just don't know the direction of where they want to go. Are they looking at a wide receiver to take it seven um, well, I, the, that's the only thing that's a high possibility really yeah so i have to imagine in the first two rounds they'll they'll, they'll try to grab a uh, a wide receiver but we'll, but we'll see um as you said trent good point with the deadline being tuesday to tag kenny galladay i would have to agree too i it doesn't sound like there's a there's this big deal in the works right now with brad holmes and kenny galladay's camp so um we'll see but that's your little bit of lions news um the pistons are playing right now uh last time i checked and this winning. is given they are winning it's 20 nine o'clock here on a Wednesday um, playing the Toronto Raptors on the road. Um, they do play again tomorrow, which will be Thursday um, in New York against the Knicks um, nine and 25 right now for the Pistons. Um, what do we got guys? How are we feeling? How are we looking? I mean, what's it called? I think the one Piston topic we can talk about, I mean, Sadiq Bay gets kind of snubbed from the young guns game, whatever. Are they even playing that? Or is that just a roster? I really don't know. I saw that this morning and I was confused too. Cause I'm like, if they're playing, I didn't even know they were playing that. I thought they weren't. 
Yeah, it's extremely pointless if they are playing. I think it's just an honorary thing, but I could be wrong. But whatever that. And then Dwayne Casey comes out with the quote and said, people better be getting their licks now because in two to three years, this team should be really good. So, I mean, do you believe that though, TB? That's what I wanted to mention. And you know, you know what? Can I can I tell you a big reason why Collins Saban Lee? And I'm not I'm not gonna act like it's the I'm dude. a Saban Lee guy, you know this. This dude out of Vanderbilt has been arguably I mean Sadiq Bay's been your best rookie, but Saban Lee's been right there, man. I mean they, they talk about I, I think it was Wayne Ellington who talked about or Mason Plumley was one of those guys. They say, you know, when he's in practice, he you know does his thing and he but he doesn't really stand out, you know, like he's just doing his thing. But as soon as they play games and they hit the game floor, he takes it to another level. And I know that's just that's just player talk. They're gassing each other up and stuff. But that kind of intangible is, is you know, that's huge. And in this season, the biggest disappointment thus far has has been, you know, undoubtedly Killian Hayes getting hurt and you not really being able to see what you got there when you spent the number seven overall pick on him. Um, but Saban Lee has been fantastic. He's been better than Dennis Smith Jr. so far. So you kind of look at him now, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I was talking about how Dennis Smith Jr. has just as good a chance to become your future point guard as Killian Hayes does. But now I think you got to look at Saban Lee, like you found something here in the second round. And other than that, I've just, I've really been impressed with Isaiah Stewart. That's nothing new. I do. I do really think Collins in two or three years, this team's going to be good. I told you last, last week or two weeks ago, I think it was Jeremy Grant's contract year. I think this team is competing for like a five, six seed. Like, I think, okay. I think That's they're right fair. there, like middle to the bottom of the East, because, you know, I think you get, you know, a top three pick this season. And then, you know, next season, you're still lottery, but not bottom of the barrel. You know, you're probably like a top 10 pick. And then the year after that, you're at your younger assets are aged enough to the point where you are competing. And, and maybe you sign a few other veterans and you just have a good enough roster to the point where you're competing because Dwayne Casey's also a fantastic coach. I've got my gripes here and there, but you know, I, I saw some odds like he's he has the third best odds right now to get fired midseason. I don't buy it whatsoever. Like I've got my gripes. Yeah, I'd like to see Seku play a little more. And I saw the quote this week about, you know, Dwayne Casey saying, oh, if there was a G League this season, he would get a lot of run there and that would help balance out his minutes. No, he's got to play. But that's my only gripe there. Other than that, Dwayne Casey's here for the long haul. He seems bought in on these young guys. He seems bought in on this rebuild. So I and, and, and Troy Weaver so far looks like a genius. So for all three of those reasons, I do think the Pistons are going to be good in two to three years, but I've been extremely impressed lately with Saban Lee. That's the biggest thing for me. Okay, I agree. Saban Lee's been a nice piece. I, I don't know if I said this, but I like general reaction on these three rookies that have played, like Isaiah Stewart, uh, Sadiq Bay, Saban Lee, they're all going to play in the NBA for at least six years, at yeah. least. Barring it, like maybe an injury happens to one of them, but like they're all really like they're playable guys. And I think Sadiq Bay could be a three on a very good team. Like that's how impressed I've been with Sadiq. You, know, you, like, you did say that, Collins. Hats off because you said that I think before, right before he dropped thirty on the Celtics, that was kind of his coming out party. And people were yeah. like, oh, he went seven for seven from deep, and the whole league knew who he was. And he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week, not Rookie Player. So I just want to – you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, I think he can be your number three scorer on a championship team. Yeah, but I, I don't know about championship. I, I think really good. And the pro, I mean, with the guy who comes out of Nova has played – I don't know. He played two years, I believe, at Nova, maybe three. He's more of a finished product than these other guys. So maybe his ceiling might be just a little bit lower than these other guys. But he's just good. Like, if you watch it, like, he's good. He, he plays with a lot of confidence for a rookie, which is 
like hard to do in NBA. I think it's a one sport where like if you lose your confidence, like it's almost over. It doesn't even matter what your talent level is. And you haven't seen it. I think it all depends in two to three years. We talked about how they need good draft luck. If they want good draft luck, if they want to take the next step, getting a Mobley or Cunningham or whatever. By the way, Bill Simmons, Kate Cunningham is really good. Tune in and watch him actually more than one game and you'll understand what Kate Cunningham is. But whatever, Bill, just keep watching the NBA and complaining about it. But um, uh, I'll just – but it's just like, is Killian Hayes going to be good? Because he, he has to be good if they're going to take another step in the rebuild. So it just depends on their draft luck. I, I and, and TB, we talked about this, I think, last week. I, I could see it. Like his last year, their contract year, that they're competing for like a six or seven seed. Like I could because this East is weak. But I, I mean, other than that, and to Dwayne Casey's point, he seems like a, it, it, it almost not like a guard, Ethan. He, I feel like he's going to get fired in one of the next two years. Maybe not fired, just like step away, just randomly. I have a feeling something like that's going to happen because, I mean, he seems all in now, but it, there's some weird things that like I feel like have gone on the well, last two years. Just when he signed on, I think he was expecting for this team to maybe not be like a title contender, maybe not even like an Eastern Conference final contender but a team that could possibly win playoff series yeah, with well, Blake he, and Andre. And now that it's a rebuild, I didn't expect this when he took the job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I don't know. We'll see. No, that's that's a great point, Collins, because Dwayne Casey, a lot of times with these older – you know, you saw with John Beeline, really, uh, in the Cavaliers, obviously he had a whole different issue. But just the players didn't really like him from the jump because he's, he's playing the vets a little bit more. Because these guys who are like proven coaches – they don't want to lose. Like, and I know that sounds like the most cliche, obvious thing in the world, but a guy like Dwayne Casey who came to Detroit and took this job when, you know, Blake Griffin was coming off an all NBA third team season and Andre Drummond was leading the league in rebounds. And, and you, you know, you go out and sign Derek Rose, you make all these moves and everything. Like he took the job and in his first season, the Pistons did make the playoffs or the eight seed got swept, but you know, he took the job thinking that, they're going to be competitive in the East and then, you know, flash forward one and a half years later and they're rebuilding. Like, and when we say rebuilding, they are rebuilding like one, yeah. of the worst, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the entire NBA. So that's that. I just think, you know, when he says something this week, Collins, and I love that quote, I love that you brought it up was that, you know, everyone get your licks in now because in two or three years, this team's going to be really good and competitive. Again, it's coach speak. It sounds sexy. It pleases the fans. It's just something for a headline and something to be written, you know, by some fantastic writer at the athletic It is what it is. I don't care because I think he truly believes that. And, you know, it, there have been times this season where I've kind of wondered if he's all in on the rebuild and everything, but I think overall, all things considered, I do think he's going to be the coach when, when the Pistons are competitive again, whether or not that's going to be, you know, to take him to the next level, they hire the next guy and they try to do the whole Caldwell Patricia thing. Who knows? Yeah. I, by the way, you like Saban Lee. How much do you like Saban Lee? Do you, are you at the point where you've convinced yourself you're like, maybe Saban Lee's better than Killian Hayes at the classic sports? Or not, you're not no, there no, yet? I'm not there, but I'll say this. You know, this is a this is outrageous analogy. But the bad boys, you know, my favorite NBA team. Oh, my God. They, they ran a three-guard rotation. So I definitely think, you know, Saban Lee could be your backup point guard slash shooting guard like Vinny Johnson type guy. Just come off the bench and score 10. Like, he could absolutely do that for this team in two or three years when they're competitive and stuff. I love Saban Lee's shot. Like the no, way it looks, it's so funny. Yeah. It's like, he's out like, I don't know. It's, I love it. It's like an old school release. 
Sadiq Bay's got a weird shot too. Like he, he kicks his legs out weird, kind of. Who? Sadiq Bay. You like Sadiq Bay? It's no, it's Steph. It's Steph Curry and Sadiq Bay. Two quickest releases in the league. Sadiq Bay gets that thing out of his hands in two seconds. It's unbelievable. He's a G man. He knows what he's doing. I will also say before thing. we move on for Pistons tonight, Mason Plumley. Like I, I'm gonna teach you how to shoot free throws. I can't watch you do them anymore. By the way, Dennis Smith Jr. is one assist away from a triple double. He has 10, 10, and nine. At a boy, it's pretty impressive. I guess that's fairly impressive. It's a Draymond Green esque triple double, dude. He's not good. Whatever. I'm just he, he's just not good. I, I plays hard. He's a competitor. He's scrappy. I like him. He embodies Detroit. But that's also why I like Isaiah Stewart a lot more. One last point I want to bring up about the Pistons is you look at a game tonight. As we record, just under five minutes left, Pistons up 20 on the Raptors, a good team. So you're thinking, you know, like, why are you winning this game? Like, you should be losing these games and tanking, especially since Jeremy Grant didn't play tonight. But, dude, you know, the reason you can sort of sleep at night is because you look at this game and it's like, okay, you know, Collins, we just threw a little shade at Dennis Smith Jr., but it is what it is. He had a great game tonight. You know, Sadiq Bey had another seven points. Uh, Sekou got a lot of play time. Like, it just – so you have to take – you have to roll with the punches a little bit. And I guess that's just what I want to remind people of. Like, be patient. This team's not going to lose every game. You know, when it's all said and done, especially in this back half of the season, the Pistons are going to be right there with that one-third of a chance for the number one pick or whatever, however the lottery works. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that when it gets a lot closer. But that's I, I don't know. I don't think it matters. If you're – like, they're going to be a top three worst record TV, right? Yeah. Like, the way it's, it's like – and there's not that much competition for that because I – the league is a lot more competitive, I guess, at the back end of the West and not the East, because there's a lot of bad teams in the East, but the back end of the West, like there's not a lot of teams in the West that are being the Mitzer lottery. So the Pistons, no, no, it's, it's just the Timberwolves. The, the Pistons have the second worst record right now. And even with the yeah. tonight, it's still going to be the second worst record. So, yeah. I, and, and I think the Timberwolves eventually will rip off a couple of wins once Cat is consistently in that lineup, but whatever. Go Pistons. All right, well, let's stay in the arena, uh, and we'll go to the Red Wings here before like we move to the Tigers. I like that a lot. I don't think we can ever not go from Pistons to Red Wings ever again because that was a great transition. Stay in the arena? Yeah. Move down the hallway? Um, but, yeah, uh, Detroit Red Wings, we sit now at 7-15-3. and three. Um, There really has not been too much of uh, the story that has changed with the Red Wings. Um, I guess I guess a couple notable things, um, and uh, I guess this kind of goes more to the overarching theme of this Red Ring Red Wings rebuild. Um, Red Delta Wings, oh, Red Wings. I can't hear the song right now. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> the uh, the Wings have put Valtteri Filippula on waivers as of today. Um, you've seen them do this with guys like the Kaiser. I believe Nielsen was also on waivers this year. Um, with the intention of just making the transaction to put these guys on the taxi squad. Um, so far, every, every waiver transaction has been successful. Thank um, God. But, but what I, what I, what I think <laughs> this should show you as a wings fan is, you know, I always sit here and complain, like we need to see the young guys get some run. Um, and you've seen Evgeny Sveshnikov got called up and I believe he's now played in three games. He had three points in his first two games. Uh, goal and assist in his first game with the big club this year, which is awesome to see. Um, and he was fired up too. And you could tell in his post game press conference that um, really just relieved, I guess, that that he was able to be productive in his first game. I believe he played with like, I think he played with Nielsen and I don't know who he played with Nielsen and like 
Helm or something. It wasn't a very good line. It was probably like the third or fourth line. Um, but still, let's see them be productive. I think Nielsen got a couple points on that night too um, with Svechnikov being on that line. So um, he'll be in the lineup going forward, it looks like, which is great. But back to my original point is you've seen Steve Eiserman could really give less than a shit about these older guys and, and getting them minutes because – He's making – I mean, I think Valtteri – Because he's watched them for a year. They stink. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> when you when you look at that, like, older – that older collection of players, um, I think Valtteri Filippo has probably been one of your more productive ones. Um, not that he's been all that productive with just five points in 20 games. But, I mean, it's at least nice to see that he's willing to, to take that risk of, of sending a guy to waivers. Not that anyone's going to claim Valtteri Filippo, um, but – uh, it's just, again, more of a commitment to see the young guys play. So I guess notables from this team is like, A, you know, good for Evgeny Svechnikov. Um, I think everyone was kind of pumping his tires a bit and just glad to see that he's had some success. And he's a guy that should stay up. I mean, that was the whole point of you signing him for that one-year deal. Um, you know, he, he's got a he's got a bad knee coming off that ACL surgery from two years ago, but uh, at least he's shown that he can be productive. I mean, I think he's got a lot of components to his game that the Red Wings are looking for as far as a guy that can play the ice, you know, the, the, the entire, uh, the entire length of the ice on in all three zones, which he does. I think he has a knack for putting the puck in the net when um, he's playing with the right line. So I'd like to see him stick around. I know people kind of have this gripe with Steve Eiserman as far as sending guys like Giovanni Smith down and Michael Rasmussen, who is coming back up. Um, and with, I don't know if he'll be playing in tomorrow's game. Do they play tomorrow? I don't know if he's going to be playing in, uh, in the game tomorrow against the hurricanes or not, but, um, he seems to be getting called up. I want to take a look real quick too, at the grand Rapids Griffins who are now, um, their season is now underway, uh, leading the team for the Griffins right now, Riley Barber, who's a guy that I thought might've was going to, might've had the chance to make the team out of camp. Um, with 12 points in eight games. So good for him. He's 27 years old. So I don't know if that's a guy that you're looking to bring him up right away. I mean, look, the guy's got seven goals in eight games. So for a team that really lacks scoring production, I mean, he is far and away your best goal scorer on that club. So I'm not sure if that's in the plans to bring him up or whatnot. I would say the best thing that you can that you can look at from this Grand Rapids Griffins team, Dennis Chalowski, eight points in eight games, Taro Hirose, eight points in five games. You love to see it just to see a guy like Dennis Chalowski, who was kind of on that bubble of like, was he going to make the roster out of camp or going to keep him on the taxi squad? It looks like they made the right move by sending him down to play in the AHL um, and to see his offensive production. Cause we do know he has offensive upside. The problem is when it comes to his defensive play, um, he has a minus two right now in eight games, which is like, it is what it is. I think they're winning like nine to four right now too, the Griffins. So um, good to see that, that you're getting some, you're, you're getting your guys that uh, you want to see take some steps in Hiroshi and Chalowski or, or making a case to insert themselves back up into the big club. Um, so all good on that front, I guess, looking at this team now, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're at the, we're at that point in the Red Wing season where it's just Groundhog Day. Like you don't have to really watch the games, and you can just assume they're going to lose. They'll, they've they've won a couple a couple decent games here. I mean, you beat the Predators five to two. Uh, I think that was last week, um, which that's the team that's right above you in the standings. Um, you had a nice win against the Blackhawks five to three on Saturday, and then you come back the next night and get throttled seven to two. That, that wasn't game, pretty. That either. game really really got out of hand in the third period. And I think the score does not reflect uh, 
the game all that much because you know it just happens. Um, you lose the Blackhawk, or I'm sorry, the Blue Jackets yesterday, four to one. That black, that Blue Jackets team is going to be dangerous down the stretch. Let me tell you right now. You bring in Line A, you get rid of uh, a PLD, you bring in Jack Roslovich, who has completely rejuvenated his career. And I don't mean to say like he was a bum, but just the guy that really wasn't able to stick in Winnipeg because um, just of how loaded they are up front, but. Um, that team could be dangerous down the stretch. I mean, as it sits right now, I mean, obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning is, is in my opinion, far and away the best team in this division. The Hurricanes, too, and I believe I said this when the Wings first saw the Hurricanes right off the jump here, it's going to be a tough team to play against. They brought back pretty much everyone on their roster. Um, they're knocking on the door right there with, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Panthers are right there as well. And then you look at the Blackhawks. I mean, you look at the top four teams in this division um, and the blue jackets are kind of the grocery stick in between the top and the bottom. I, I think that you'll probably see them make a push somewhere down the stretch. They got two great goalies as well as in Merz Lincoln's and Corpus Allo. So um, back to the team that we actually care about in the Red Wings um, tough situation right now. I mean, Dylan Larkin's been banging up the last few games. I don't know if he'll be playing tomorrow night uh, with an upper body injury inside sources say it's an elbow, right, wrong or indifferent an elbow. Um, Robbie Fabry's down too. Tyler Bertuzzi hasn't played in a while. Um, so with all those things considered, um, I, I mean, that's, it, it's tough when you really don't have the weapons on the roster, like a lot of these other teams do and the weapons that you do have aren't able to play. I would say the most disappointing so far, um, this year for me has been Philip Tadina, six points in 18 games. I mean, he's looked on. better though, Rabs. I think he's looked the eye test wise. The six or seven games I've watched him this year, he has looked noticeably better than he was last year. Yeah, well, I mean, I would, I would, I would hope that he would take a stride. I mean, I, I don't think that he's he's looked bad. It's just uh, from a matter of of production. I mean, you're you kind of, I think when you drafted Phillips Adina and and he kind of fell into your lap a bit and dropping off him. I think initially he was projected to go at three. And he dropped to you at six, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but you were you were looking at him to be a guy that that's got a, a a great release on his shot, and the guy that's going to be able to score goals for you at the NHL level. And he's still a young kid. But the thing the thing is now with making that excuse of like he's still a young kid is you see these kids coming to the league now at 18, 19 years old, and they're fun to watch, and they're exciting, and they're explosive. Now that's a Dean is not fun to watch, but it's like six points in 18 games for me really doesn't do it for me. I know this team is not a team full of guys that are just lighting up the score sheet every night. I mean, Bobby Ryan leads your team in points with 13 through 24 games, him and Mantha are tied for the, for the team leading goals at six. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have much to offer you as far as wings talk because it just, it just is what it is. They I mean, suck to watch. They're just not fun to watch. Well, yeah. Cause they, I mean, they're offensively, offensively, they're pretty inept. Um, when I was watching that game, Puck possession Chicago, is not a thing with this Detroit Red Wings team. Well, that's, Definitely. and that's, and again, that's it's hockey is a game of puck possession and, and puck protection. Shout out Jim Lewis. Um, but I, it's just not a team that, that is really competent on the four check. They don't do a great job of holding pucks in as far as being able to cycle the puck and get guys open and, and create down low. It's just a matter of, a, it just kind of turns into like a dump and chase game and teams break out really easily on them. And when you watch the game against Carolina tomorrow night, it'll be the same story it has a great defensive core. That's how they beat the wings when they played them earlier this year. And at least the first, uh, 
first two games of the season, just as far as the Wings not being able to establish a forecheck and the Carolina breaks it out like it's nothing with great speed coming back down the ice. But, um, I mean, you just are what you are. You are what you are is the Red Wings. You got guys that are banged up. I think the goaltending has been fine. Jonathan Bernie with a 9-1-3 save percentage. I mean, you only have six wins on the year, too, when you have seven wins total. So, it's just another story of like this is just Red Wings hockey right now. They're not they're not tremendous at at defending, and they sure as hell don't score many goals. So you kind of leave your goalies out to dry. Um, Philip Rono's kind of come on as of late too. He's got ten assists in twenty five games this year. Um, I, I just keep looking down the stat sheet, and like nothing really jumps out at me. I mean, I don't. I, I think Luke Glendening is is a name that's kind of been brought up in in trade talks because of his production in the faceoff dot. He's he's one of the best faceoff takers um, in the entire league, uh, which is great for him. Um, so I know his name's been brought up. I know Collins, you wanted to, you wanted to talk about some uh, some stuff with other guys being involved in trade talks um, as well. If you want to get into that, I'll say this. What's it called? Quickly, before we move on from the wins, because I don't think anyone wants to talk about how bad this team is for that long. But there was a rumor basically that says Eisman's willing to give up Tyler Bertuzzi or Anthony Manta. And we made it pretty obvious on the last couple episodes how we feel about Anthony Manta. Would you feel, how would you feel if the wins moved on from Bertuzzi? Um, I mean, the, the thing with Tyler Bertuzzi is that you're asking him to play a role in your top six and really to, on this team to be a first line forward. And I think, I mean, you look at Bertuzzi before he, before he got hurt, the guy's got seven points in nine games, five of those being goals. Um, so I, I think that Tyler Bertuzzi, given the way that he plays the game and he, he you know, he's just, just like, he, he kind of looks like one of those guys that you just assume would be a third or fourth fourth line guy that just bangs bodies and really he's he's developed his game to a point where he he's shown that he has goal scoring ability I think he works really well with Dylan Larkin because he allows he, he can open Larkin up a bit because we always talk about Dylan Larkin needing that guy to like go on the corners and get pucks for him to whether Larkin then creates off of off of that first man in or if he can just score the puck himself but I think Tyler Bertuzzi when you when you talk about two way forwards and power forwards in this league is a guy that's really under the radar that plays a complete game. He's tough. He's gritty. Um, I think that he really embodies what Detroit Red Wings hockey like needs and has historically had in the past. With some of your like grittier guys. Um, so do I think that he necessarily has the ceiling that Anthony Mantha does? No, but I will say Anthony Mantha, as we talk about every single week, the guy's a minus 14. Like the next closest guy on your team is a minus eight. That says something. The fact that he's on the ice almost twice as much as your next guy when it comes to goals against. Like, it, and I don't mean to, to pick on the guy. It's just like, I don't, there's some nights where he goes out there and, and, and everyone's starting to see it now. It's like, does the guy even he's want lazy, to be lazy, dude? Like, he's lazy here. And I, and to be, to have that kind of frame and have that kind of shot. And it's like, dude, like you play such a perimeter game, man. If I was, if I was six, four, six, five with the shot that you did, you can be dangerous, you know? And, and, and especially in today's NHL, like if you're not competent in your own end, you have no chance against some of these higher skilled guys. Like the game is so fast and guys are so good and tight that if, if you can't defend in your own end and you can't get pucks out, you're not tough on the half wall and, and, and you can't get pucks behind the other team's defensemen. Like there's, it, it's, it's tough to get you minutes. I mean, you have to, you have to have 
your, your two-way game developed in a way that Anthony Manta just really hasn't taken that step. And I don't know if it's just because he's not capable of it, if he doesn't care or, or, or what it, what it may be. I mean, I think Anthony, Manta, it's, it, can I make a point? I think yeah. he did him and Blashel clearly don't jive. And I think, I like, I think you got to move Massa like eventually. And you already, it, it's like moving, it's not the same scenario, but it's kind of like moving Stafford where, you know, he's going to be productive in that team. He is because if he gets the right guy in his ear or he's playing around really good talent, I think he could be productive because he's just that talented. But. Yeah, he could. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, you have to look at on this Red Wings team, Anthony Manta for the last, it feels like handful of years has been looked at like, be like, you have to be the guy. Like, that's why I think it's so frustrating for me to watch playing on the first line against guys. That, like you, you look at some of these first lines around the league. It's like, like, dude, you don't really play up to the standard that some of these guys do. And I know the standards pretty high when it comes to first line talent, in the NHL, but it's just it's kind of a product of circumstance and that Anthony Mantis had to be like the guy if not Dylan Larkin for this team and maybe you're right Collins maybe it's it's a different voice that that he needs or just or, or players around him to take some of the pressure off of him but you know either way man I, I did, like some of the some nights you just watch him and it's just it's just tough to watch he's been he he's had some good games though I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and knock him like the guy goes out there and is just an absolute liability because he's he, I mean I mean, being dash 14, I got to say, it's, he's, he's pretty close to me using that word. But, like, I don't know. I, I, if Back to your question, I would definitely rather trade Anthony Manta because I think his I, I think, think his value was, around I, the, like, well, his value around the league is probably also, I mean, it's also higher than Tyler Bertuzzi. So, yeah. I know there was there, a brief stint where his name came up as, like, would you trade Manta in a second rounder? Um, or something of the sort for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, and in my answer to that, I'm unless I'm completely flip-flop, flip-flopping here is like absolutely yes, because I mean good quality centers are hard to come by in the NHL because you know teams rarely, teams rarely, rarely trade them. Um, you know, they're they're sometimes I mean in the draft, like they they're very, very highly touted in the draft. So if you don't get one, um and it's not like teams are letting these guys go that can that can play top six center minutes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's your wings for you. I don't really have much else to say. Um, they play Carolina tomorrow, which would be Thursday. Um, they're starting to let more fans back into LCA. So I guess that's good for everyone that people can start enjoying the teams once again. Um, but other than that, that's all I got to say about the wings. And now we can move down the street and outside to Comerica Park. Well, I guess they're in let me park. in the stadium. They're gonna we'll be in there. We'll be in there this time. We'll be. Now, did you see a thousand people in the forty thousand person stadium? Is that the number they came up with? That's insane. Am I right? Am I crazy? It's outside. Well, I. You, I'll tell you what, Colin. You can go watch some. Uh, you can go watch whatever you want in Texas because on March tenth they're opening up. No whole. They're not bar. actually going to do that though. He's just like saying that they won't be allowed to do that. That'd be unreal. I mean, yeah, I'll go to Texas. I mean, I'm young. You can go watch a nice Rangers game, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't read anything about, I also think too, like they're not coming back to Comerica for another like what month. So I don't know to make the call, like only a thousand people seated in an outdoor stadium in summer. Like, yeah, let's maybe we can reevaluate that but either way um tigers right now are two and two down in lakeland in the grapefruit league uh, i believe they lost was that today they lost four to two against the phillies but 
Um, some positives from this game today, Daniel Norris, two great scoreless innings. Um, Matt Manning, two great scoreless do you, innings. Do you own saw, a Daniel Norris fan page that we don't know about no. yet? Is a burner? No, I wish, though. I wish. <laughs> I love Daniel Norris. I mean, he had – what do you want me to say? He had two great – No, he was great last I'm just messing with you. I know how much like, you love him. That's why I was – He threw like 22 pitches. I love the guy. Um, I think he had two strikeouts as well. Um, but Nico Goodrum had two of the five hits for the Tigers today. Um, who else? Buck Farmer was your guy that gave up uh, – I believe he gave up all four runs today. So uh, He's not a 54 a great, ERA. Not a great – not a great look for Buck. Um, but I, I will say the first – the first two games for this Tigers team, I think they won like both like seven and eight games against the Phillies. Their at bats are so much better. Like they're 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 getting deeper into counts. They're walking. Like I think Riley Green started today. I believe he walked on like six pitches with a great at bat to start his game. Stolen base two for Riley Green. It, it just seems like the team's a bit more buttoned up. Um, they're they're they've been hitting the ball fairly well through the first four games. Um, so I, I have to say, I, I was very critical and skeptical of the AJ Hinch hiring because I try to be a class character, heart attitude, effort, hustle guy. And I <laughs> just, just above I, your, yeah, yeah, your standards guy. Well, I just, you know, oh, it's Rick's like, at 2, p- not, 2 a.m. Yeah. It's yeah. not a new thing. This is not a new thing that Rabs is like the old man of the podcast. Like every time there's a situation where a guy is celebrating a touchdown a little too flamboyant. <laughs> I don't know about just, that. He said, you know what? Know who used to hand the ball just to the ref? Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I know. But I, but I, I think the more and more that I – in the little glimpses that, I, that I've watched the team, just looking a bit more competent at the plate, and it just seems like – having a guy like AJ Hinch who has had proven success and has had proven success taking a team that was nothing into a world series champion. I feel good about it. I, I I have some, I have some confidence now in this group that whoever they put out there on a daily basis. And I actually think too, I I have to imagine that I'm going to be a lot happier with the lineups that AJ Hinch is putting out there versus like Ron garden hired us like, refusing to play Victor Reyes so like certain guys could get reps that have no business being in the outfield or just things like that that would just bother me and piss me off just of, of, of guys not playing where they should be and when they should be playing and how much they should be playing so I don't know I'm excited I'm not gonna to, to, to sit here and try to sell you like oh yeah I've watched like an hour total of Tigers baseball through their four games of uh, spring training like here's my big grandiose uh, opinion I won't well, sell that to you, but storylines between training. I think we kind of already talked about this. I want to see what they're doing at the first base and third base position this year, because I think that's an interesting storyline going into this season. Um, second base is Stope and Willie Castro. See how Willie Castro in his second year. I think that's a storyline. And then who are your corner outfielders? And do you mismatch Jacoby Jones and Victor Reyes out in center field? And then you let the some of the other guys you signed, like uh, Mazzara and some other guys. And I'm trying to think who else would be in left. I don't know. I'm interested to see what their outfield construction is going to be throughout the year. And how are the young guys looking? Because Casey Mize, he, uh, how many, I don't know how much he went the first time he went. He looked really good sometimes. And then he looked really bad sometimes. So just a continued development of those guys. But I, 
I've been saying this for a very long time. I think the Tigers are going to be the second best team in the AL Central this year. Mm. I truly believe that. Collins, I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. And and yeah, I've been drinking the juice the last three years and all that stuff. But like, I just think this roster is starting to grow up a little bit. And and you saw production in what was it, a sixty game season? And I understand. It's out of travel to one Sitsi two, but they, there was promise. There was promise, and a plan. I just think if this team could get a little, like if this team could get one of those pitchers, and I, I've given up on Matt Boyd. I'm not even gonna waste my time with that. But like, say a miser Scooble, it's just like he's got it, like something like that. And then you you have some other help, maybe throw Daniel Norris in there in this bullpen, which I think is not horrible. Like they weren't horrible for the majority of last year. Like Joe Joe Menace was the only guy that really disappointed me last year. And the bullpen's like pretty solid, like it was last year. I just think they could be pretty good. Like I really do. And I and, yeah. and you're not even counting on guys like Miggy to have a big year. Like if Miggy plays well, that's gravy. I really believe that because I think everyone's kind of slotted Miggy. He's like, he's gonna bat like 270, 260. He's gonna have his RBIs. The power numbers are gonna be down. So, and if he gives you more than that, it's gravy. And you expect lower years from Victor Reyes and Willie Castro, but like, I don't know. There's, I'm very excited to watch Tigers baseball. That's what I'm saying. Let me into Tomerica. I, I want one of those tall dacheries so bad. I, I, I want to sit on the Pepsi porch. I want to have a peanut. I want to have a hot dog. Maybe get the Tony Dog pizza from Little Caesars in the stadium and, and like go to the bathroom six times a game. But I, I just, I can't wait to watch Tigers baseball. You know what? I got to give a shout out to Chris McCoskey, fantastic writer for the Detroit Tigers beat writer. Uh, he basically said a couple days ago, you know, he covers the team very closely and he tweeted out, you know, I'm going to give my annual warning to everybody. You can read into spring training lineups and, 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 you know, playing time as much as you want. It very rarely carries over, you know, like carbon copy, to your opening day roster and whatever. So I just, I I don't pay too much attention to this kind of stuff, but it is, it is enough to get you excited. And, you know, Collins, the thing with Miggy, the the crazy thing is when we, as you know, the Tigers entered this rebuild, it just, it's crazy that Miggy's finally, you're at that point where he only has like two years left on his contract and like, you're just riding him out at this point and you got to enjoy him while he's here. And Collins, you're right. You got to be content with him hitting like 200 or two two thirty, it's fine. But there, there, you guys pretty much nailed it, and I won't, I won't go too in depth about it. There are just so many fun question marks, storylines, things to watch with this team. There really are everywhere, every single position. There's a question. You know, the outfield is the biggest one for me personally, but also like the middle infield, and you know, first and third. Rabs, you talked about it, um, and, and the pitching rotation. Collins, I think Tarek Skubal is going to be that guy. Who, who just clicks this year. I really well, do. I think yeah. like one more year away, but I think Scooble this year becomes like a, like a fourth guy in your rotation. I really do. I don't know. I Rabs, I'm curious because I know you watch basically every game last year too. And I know you yeah. did too, TB, but when you look at the storyline, I, I, I mean, do you, it's the outfield or is it like first and third? Cause me, me and you and TB talked about first and third so much last year. I mean, to me, to me, it's the outfield as far as my, my question marks. I just think when it comes to, when it comes, here's the thing, here's the thing. 
And this is, again, why, why I go back to my point of how I think that I'm going to be much more satisfied with the lineups that, that A.J. Hinge puts out. Jamer Condelario is your everyday third baseman. I, I, I think back to, like, last year with Gardy, and I get that he was playing candy at first because he wanted him in the field, field still. He was trying to get, like, Parade some run at third base. He was trying to get other guys in the mix. I get it. And you didn't want to have Miggy playing first base. But A.J. Hinch has already said, we talked about it a million times, that Miggy's going to play some first this year. And Torkelson started at first. I, did, I don't know if he started, but he played first base today for the Tigers in the spring training game. So I don't know if the mindset completely flipped when A.J. Hinch came aboard as far as what Spencer Torkelson's future is going to be. And that's a guy who, again, is – you know, he's a couple of years away from being with the big club, but I just think like Nico Goodrum's a guy that you can play at first base every day if you want. And I'm fine with that. I, I'm, I would rather him play first base every single day and have Jamer Condelario play third. And then you mix Miggy in at first. The outfield is like, you have Victor Reyes, who you saw some awesome flashes of last year. You bring in Robbie Grossman. So it's like, okay, is Robbie Grossman going to play for you every day in center field? Because you also have Jacoby Jones and you have Daz Cameron, who you're trying to get in the mix too. Um, and, and so to me, you know, and like, I know like Harold Castro can play the outfield a bit. I know Willie was a lot better and Willie's even though Willie can play in the outfield, he's more of like a middle infield type guy. Yeah. Um, but who, who is, and then you have Mazzara Mazzara is the other guy too in the outfield. So that's where the question mark, lies for me i think the what about, difference what about Derek hill isn't that guy gonna get a little run well no, he I, stinks Derek hill's terrible if anyone watched to, like, him last he year play a good amount towards the end of last season they played him and you're like this guy's at the worst bat i've ever seen for a first rounder sorry the only reason no you're okay the only reason i ask is because you no know, rabs not to cut you off but i just want to elaborate on what you just said like i'm writing down the names here in the outfield you got christian stewart daz cameron victor reyes robbie grossman jacoby jones Derek hill and mazara so my thing is this and I don't think it takes a genius to, to see this. This equation gets a lot clearer if you cross off Christian Stewart. Just cross him off. He's done. He's not good. He's gotten two and a half years of chances, and he, he hasn't shown you any promise. He's, he's bombs or he's strikeouts, and he hits 130. So I'll pass. So I think you gotta you got to scratch him off the list. And I'll say with a hand up, he was my guy going into last season. I don't know if you guys remember. I was. No, like, I liked him a lot. I, I wanted him to get run and, and be good. Yeah, no, because because he has like a, he has power, but he can't hit consistently. And then he's actually a below average, dare I say, well below average defensive outfielder. Uh, so you just to me, he's crossed off the list, man. Like he he's gonna be on the opening day roster. I get it. He's gonna be on your roster, and he's probably just gonna be there to eat. You know, uh, maybe like come in, you know, when they do those weird shifts in like the eighth inning, like he'll just come in for the rest of the game. Like it's weird. Maybe he'll do some of that stuff. But Rabs, you're exactly right. Victor Reyes needs to play almost every single day. Daz Cameron needs to get some run. You just signed Robbie Grossman, so you expect him to get some run. Jacoby Jones was fantastic. He was your best player before he went down last season. So this is another area. And then you got Hill and Mazzara who will just get their, get their PT. So this is another area where you guys are exactly right. I just wanted to bring up like everyone's name specifically. That's the biggest question mark and the biggest thing to watch for this team, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you also have to factor in the fact that you'll probably see Riley Green at some point this year too. So, again, not to not to just continue to beat the dead horse, but 
that's that's what I'm looking at. I mean, I think you know, you just you look at the rest of the of the roster and and the depth chart when it comes to the to defensive the linemen and like I think you kind of know where everyone's at and who's going to be playing where and and how much time. I mean, at least in my mind, as far as is how things look on the infield. I just think, yeah, out, outfield wise, I don't know. I, I is I got this feeling too that like, okay, if Victor Reyes can prove to be solid again this year and, and he's your left fielder and you're going to play Robbie Grossman in center field because you just paid him to come over, that's going to be a guy that's probably going to play almost every day. And then you look over to right field and I think that's really, that's really the spot is like, who's going to be your right fielder? Is it Daz Cameron? Do you want Daz Cameron to be your everyday center fielder? Like is Riley green going to play? Right. It seems like Riley green will probably be the right field guy of the future, but I'll tell you the name that like I'm looking at now is Jacoby Jones, man. I, I he's, no, he's he can't take him out of center, but he's had, that's what I'm saying. He's had some, some really nice stretches of, of being great at the plate. I think he's a, he's a pretty well above average defender in center field. But it's just maybe they move Grossman to right field. Maybe that's where they plan on playing him. But maybe yeah, they just shouldn't sign him. I don't mean to be so cynical, but it, it's just man, there are too many mouths to feed in the outfield right now, especially the guys. Trust Hench, baby. Trust the process. I do. Yeah. I do. What a what a Alan trustworthy Alan guy. Today, I do. Yeah. I just all don't... morals with this guy. Loves the game of baseball. Also, shout out Jim Leland for. Literally going to the spring training game with his shoes off. Respect. Nice. Um, but, yeah, that's Tigers. Obviously, it's uh, we're only at four games into spring training, so we'll have to pump the brakes a bit, stop getting so excited. Well, uh, well, well, actually, I shouldn't say stop getting so excited. Tigers baseball is back. So get excited. Shirt off, get excited. Off, run around yeah. the house. Let's go. Actually, get excited, yeah. Um, all right, Trent, do we have a trifecta before we end the show today? Of course we do. All right. Of course. When you're when you're First ready. of all, since this is my little segment with the floor, I want to give an update on something I said earlier in the show. Dennis Smith Jr. and Mason Plumley both finished with a triple-double. First Pistons teammates to do it since 1964. That's wow. Cool. Really? There you go. Yes, That's Dennis Smith. Cool. What two legends to get it. People will remember that. Dennis Smith Jr. had 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. Mason Plumley had 14 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. So neither was – Mason Plumley. work on your free throws. I can't – like, can we get, like uh, – I don't know what the, we can get to stabilize his legs when he shoots, but he looks like – he looks like a – no one always sunny when they, like, equate D's dancing to those, like, things at the car washes where they're just flopping around – like it's like, come get your car at a used car thing, those little things. That's how Mason Plumley looks shooting free throws. Okay, I co-sign. Collins, that was an ex- that was an exceptional analogy. Thank um, you. All right, Trust Trifecta. Thanks for coming. Welcome in. How are we doing? Uh number question number one. We have two sports related questions of the three, which is always fun. Um, number one, we are all Michigan State guys. Does Michigan State get one of these games against Michigan? Do you think they win? At least one. Um, I don't think they're going to win tomorrow. Uh, I'll say they do. They've just been really tough. Yeah. And I know Michigan's really, really good. I just, like, I don't know. It just – it seems like a thing Izzo does to get them into the tournament. I'm right. just not – and whatever. I, I have weird confidence in this team now that if they get into the tournament, they're going to win at least a game. Because I – I at least be it's just they 
Aaron Henry's a really tough matchup if you haven't seen him play. That's what I'm saying. Like, these, I, I could easily see him losing too, but I lean on the side that they'll win one because they're playing a rival twice in four days. But, like, long-term, Michigan State in the tournament, like, if they get any sort of point guard play, they're, like, I think on the grade of, like, a March Madness, they're a sixth seed. They just are. Yeah. It, it's a one piece they're missing, and you started to kind of see it. It wasn't there, and it's Indiana. But I don't know. I, I, I'm going into a longer tangent than I have, but I, I think they get one. Oh, sure. They can get one. I mean, they're not going to win both. I, no. I, I mean – I could see them getting blown out both games too. I don't even know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I haven't been able to get a good feel on like what this team is capable of because I've seen them play great basketball and I've seen them play horrible basketball this year. Yeah. So, I mean, sure. Can, can they get one? It's going like, to be – if yeah. they win a game and it's Michigan, it's going to be like a 50-50 to 50 game Yeah. and they hit the last shot. It's going to be ugly. Here's my thing is if Michigan State is going to win one of these games, they have to make it ugly. Turnovers and like – just hard. They can't turn the ball, dude. Ready. Michigan State turns the ball over more than any like blue blood program. Out. Like anyone who's like, actually good at basketball consistently, you just watch Michigan State turn the ball over 15 times a game. And they like somehow still win. Yeah. Well, okay. As a Michigan State guy, I actually like Jawan Howard. I think everyone kind of does. Like he's he's like a he's like, a really good coach. He's a likable dude. And he's a really good coach, and you can make a very strong case for him as well as Baylor's head coach for Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year, but. In a two-game series, which this essentially is, I'm still going to ride with Tom Izzo because he's proven, never proven why I shouldn't. And my my quick spiel on why I think the Spartans could win is because they, I think they could win tomorrow at the Chrysler Center, number one, because Isaiah Livers isn't going to be 100%, and he actually might not even play. Number two, I think, you know, the Michigan's biggest thing is they play – Even with Michigan State playing Hoiberg? Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, but – but obviously, you know, Dickinson is the man. So he's awesome. But, but other than that, they don't have other playable bigs, really. They got Austin Davis. That's he's there. fine. He's playable. Well, he's fine. But he's what is he a fifth year? Yeah. I mean, I would rather take Austin Davis on my team right now than what Michigan State has the bid consistently. I'll say that. What I was going to say, though, Collins, is if you look at, you know, that they're so Michigan essentially has two bigs that they ride with, Michigan State has like six. And like, yeah, but none of them are that good. Well, I'll say this, though. Marcus Bingham played exceptional defense on Trace Jackson. He was awesome last Indiana. night. Trace Jackson Davis, if you don't remember, dropped 34 points against Michigan State in their first meeting two weeks ago. And then, you know, last night against uh, against Indiana, Marcus Bingham held them to nine. So, was he crying mean, on the bench? Did anyone else see that? Who? <laughs> Mark, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, like he got like it was like one of those things where he was getting mad at the huddle and they like showed it after the break and I was like, see, he's like one of those guys who gets so mad he cries. Like everyone has that friend whenever yeah, they get mad, yeah. they get they're like, come on, guys, <laughs> yeah, they start like just hold- stop right start, here, yeah, right they start here. like is that like holding their breath and like just like yeah, everyone's shaking. like, dude, are you all right? Like, well, I guess we'll go get a stop. Like, don't cry. Yeah, all right. That, that I didn't see that because I was, I was <laughs> but I'm going to have to check that out because that sounds hilarious. But no crying in baseball. Thank you for your answers to that. We'll move it right along. Besides Miguel Cabrera, who is your tiger? This year? Yeah. Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say Candy. I'm a can- I loved what Candelario did last year. Let me say real quick, before, before Rabs, you go, I got this idea because I saw the local Brandon Inge commercial on the Pistons broadcast. So there you go. 
Dude, Brandon Inge is like a coach at Michigan. Did you see that? Yeah. Can't Brandon Inge, I like he. It's like he might have like a top like fifteen recognizable name in Detroit for how like be he might have the most recognizable name in Detroit for how like you know what I mean like he was the worst player. But if any you mentioned Brandon Inge and you're like oh Brandon Inge they had a good glove and had zero home runs in a home run derby like this immediately like it, he has a lot of name recognition. This is what I'm saying. This is why I thought of this question because he was very well liked for not a ton of good reason. But Raps, who is your Tiger this season? Collins has candy. Daniel Norris. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, though. Here's the thing. Like, yeah, obviously everyone loves Miggy, but there's not a single position player on this team that I'm, like, in love with. Like, the old Tigers Not even team, Willie Castro. No. Like, the old – the no. The old Tigers teams that I used to watch growing up, like, yeah, I had guys like Polanco and, like, Guillen. Like, like those are guys that you could, like, be like, oh, oh yeah, Guillen that's my guy. My tiger. Because he they were so – because they were like so, they were so good, and you just got to pick your guy. Because no matter who your guy was, they were good. Like I loved a JD Martinez was my tiger for a while, but there's like no one like I don't know. Jacoby Jones doesn't do it for me. Like Victor Reyes is like, there's not a lot of personality in this group. That's fair. I will I say this. I'm a, I'm I like Candy. Candy's got personality. I like Candy too, Collins. Riley Green is gonna be my guy. I'll tell you that right now. In about two or three years, he's gonna be my guy. But right now, it's Greg Soto. You guys remember that from last year. I loved him. I think he should be the closer, but that's not the year there. We'll move on. Third question in the trifecta, who is your celebrity birthday twin? I know you all know this. No idea. I don't know. I have no idea. You guys are so – you know yours? Let me look yeah, it up. Russell Westbrook and Anne Hathaway. Do you like Anne Hathaway? Uh, she's all right. I thought she did very well as Catwoman. Yeah. No, I, I didn't hate the up. Princess Diaries. I didn't hate them. Let me look it up. March 16th. Rabs, I got yours, unless you want to do it. No, okay, here, I'll, go, I'll start ripping through them. Ready? Richard Nixon, which is tough. Tough look. <laughs> Jimmy Page, not bad. J.K. Simmons. Uh, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. There you go. Muggsy Bogues. That's, a That's good my one. guy. That's what I'm going to roll with. Okay, That's my – Oh, Bart Starr. Hang on. Bart Starr. Yeah. Uh, Justin Blackman. Is he alive still, Justin Blackman? Don't I don't know. Hope he's doing well. Collins, you got anything? Okay. I actually – okay. He's number one on my list. There's more famous people than this guy, but the fact that he has the same birthday as me warms my heart. Flavor Flav. Shout out Flavor <laughs> of Love. Love that guy. What fantastic show. Blake Griffin has the same birthday as me. Joel Embiid, Alexandra Deidro, Dadia, whatever her name. Lauren Graham, shout out Gilmore Girls. Shout out Lorelai. If anyone's watching Gilmore Girls out there, probably my sister. No way my sister's listening to this podcast. Um, Eric Estrada, Tim Hardaway Jr., not thrilled about. Um, mm, I don't know the rest of these people. Alan, it's a pretty good list. Rams, you had a good one too. I got a pretty. Look at this. I'm reading. I'm Who's reading. Brooke Burns? I feel like she – is that a famous person? Oh, she's a model. Who knew? I'm reading I'm, my list of famous birth. – I'm on famousbirthdays.com. Janae Ico. Made some music. Famousbirthdays.com for January 9th. This kid is number 14. Ready? His name is Jackson Meacham. He's a seven-year-old YouTube star. Okay. Probably more fa- That's probably when you richer than clearly more all famous. Our parents combined. Yeah. Oh, Dave Matthews was born on January 9th. Are you Daver, Ravs? You seem like a Daver. 
No, my cousin, my cousin Sydney's a huge DMB guy. Huge. I like Dave Matthews Band. I've never really got, I've never really like totally got into it. I don't know. I, I, I have to go through his, uh, some of his albums. I know there's some songs by him that I like, or they just I listen to every now and then. Anstro Martian, man, classic. Well, listen, uh, two others that I forgot to mention: Sammy Sosa, and then Callum's. This one's for you, Ryan Gosling. Beast, dude. Crazy, crazy, stupid love. Fantastic movie. movie. Also, Sammy Sosa, not talked about enough with Sammy Sosa. His Blue Easton glove that they used to sell for Sammy Sosa was the coolest thing ever. It was that and the Mike Piazza catcher's glove. Two coolest like gloves you could have when you're like 10 or 11 playing baseball. Yeah, the, the blue glove, I'm looking at it right now. I looked it up. That's pretty sweet. The Easton one, and then the Rollins, look up the Mike Piazza catcher's glove. Anyone who played Little League Baseball in the like early to mid-2000s knows exactly what I'm talking about. Wait, what about. am I looking up? Sammy the Sosa. Mike, Sammy Sosa blue Easton glove or the Mike Piazza black Rollins catcher's glove that has the orange outlining on it. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about, Rebs. Piazza. At, at least for the Piazza one. Let me see. I'm looking it up. This is great radio. Oh, yeah. Anyways. I don't know. I, I didn't. Oh, okay. That's it for the trifecta, anyways. <laughs> you guys can keep talking about Mike Piazza. And, uh... Yeah, huge Mike Piazza guy, too. Yeah. Hey, he was on the cover of Backyard Baseball. Dude, he what? Great video games. Yeah, those are really. I'll tell you one thing. I've had many conversations with. If Ackman Khan is a good player out of the two hole in backyard baseball, the guy with the, with the headphones. Yeah, the people. Headphones. He's a yeah, he can't hit. I'm like, I think he's a pretty nice two hitter. And then you got Dante. No, I go Dante Robinson out of the one hole. Got Ackman Khan in the two hole. Dante and then three. Robinson, didn't he like pop a hot dog before? Yeah, he eats a hot yeah. dog for every AB. He loves going A to B opposite field every single time because that's how Dante plays, and he plays a good second base. I'll tell you what. Uh, what you got to do there is you go. I like to lead off Pete Wheeler because Pete Wheeler's getting on no matter what. He's yeah, the well, that's guy like, in the that, game. That, that's like Ernie every Steele. like Ernie. every time you play backyard Steele. baseball and you're like, oh god, Pete Wheeler, he's bunting, and you're like, yeah, and, he just, and you just can't yep. get him out. Cause... Pete Wheeler, Pete Wheeler to lead off Pablo Sanchez in the two hole because now all the you see all these MLB teams now are starting to hit their best hitters in the two hole. So you go Pablo two. And then you come back with Jocinda Smith and Keisha Phillips in the heart of your order. Well, Good Keisha luck. is yeah, – Keisha's the definition of a five-hitter. No, no, no. Like, Listen, Jocinda and Keisha back-to-back, that yeah, is – three, four. Jocinda's not that good, though. Dimitri, Dimitri Petrovich in the five-hole. <laughs> hey. Getting off topic for backyard baseball, though, but backyard football, if you had Ernie Steele on your Ernie team Steele at wide receiver, <laughs> it just wasn't fair. He was literally – He was like Six five tall. Is Ernie Steele. It's <laughs> a great dude, name. Kenny Calgucci, the guy in the wheelchair, unbelievable in backyard basketball. Yeah. Just didn't just wet balls threes. Hey, did you guys ever play backyard skateboarding? Kind of yes, like- I did. My buddy yeah, Dalton no, had it up the street. It was so hard. It was really hard. The final boss was Jocinda. What? I don't I'm remember sure. that. I'm pretty sure Jocinda was the final boss. Did you guys have backyard soccer? Yes, of course. Keisha Phillips dominated in that game. <laughs> Dominated. Yeah. Ernie Steele in the net. Dude, Ernie, Ernie, dude, Ernie Steele, other than baseball, was a problem in every game. Just a big yeah. problem. Yeah, he wasn't great at baseball, but that's all right. It's all right, dude. He was a great stretch four, too. God. Yeah, I love those games. I, I love the announcers in backyard sports more than like any sunny day here with you with 
hot dog McGee. It's like the most ridiculous <laughs> name. And it's just like the guy's like cracking jokes. And you as like a 10 year old, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> color guy. Like, this is the peak of comedy. It really was. I'm glad we can talk about these things and everyone just kind of knows what they're talking yeah, about. People, if you know, you know. Like the, the kids these days it. don't the kids these days. If you're listening to the pod right now, you should know this. Yeah, you definitely should. And yeah, Raph, if you're this deep, you brought up yeah. Pablo Sanchez. I'm so glad you brought up Pablo Sanchez because if anyone was listening to me and Collins list off like four or five names before Pablo Sanchez in the in the backyard baseball realm, they're probably pissed off. Well, was, Pablo, I mean, Pablo's just, you know. Well, yeah, like, I, know. I, I, I mean, as guys who actually play the game, you know, Dmitry Petrovich is a good catcher and he could be a good guy in the nine hole. Like, but like, everyone's like, oh, what about Pablo? He's all, no. Like, sometimes you got to talk about depth. Yeah. Sometimes you got to talk about Amir and Ashman Khan, Dante Robinson, the uh, Khan Mikey, what, what's the one guy? Mikey William. Like, you got to talk about these guys. Yeah. <laughs> What's the guy, uh, Del Vecchio, Alex Del Tony Vecchio, Del Vecchio. Tony and his sister. Angelo Del Vecchio. Angelo Del Vecchio was kind of nice with it, like, at the point. Like, kind of nice with it. Not like that. Not, come on. Come <laughs> I on. thought she was cute. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, okay. Right, End the okay. show. Or die. <laughs> I don't like the river down here. Yeah. I don't need Trent hitting on uh, 12-year-old virtual computer game. Based I was 12. Women. I was 12 at the time. Come on. That's yeah, still yeah. weird. What are, what are you saying? <laughs> all right. All right. All right. That's it. That's it. We're done. Motown rundown. It's over. We're Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown rundown page. Don't miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple podcasts. We're on Spotify. New episodes every Thursday. We'll see you next time.